you're listening to the Televisionary Minisode. In this episode, Cody and I talk about two of our favorite TV shows that just might become your next TV binge. There's really nothing scarier than a group of men. That's so true. <laughs> it is kind of true. That in itself is Fearful. an American Horror Stories. <laughs> I still don't know how I feel about that name. I hate it. I, I think it's so stupid. I, they should do, you remember, I get, oh gosh, do you remember those shirts that were sold for like AIDS Foundation or whatever, the Inspired? Yes. They should do for like American Horror Stories, their merch should all just be that last S in parentheses. That would be an incorrect spelling of stories, though. S-T-O-R-Y parentheses S. S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Yeah, but that's not how you spell story. S-T-O-R-I-E parentheses S. That wouldn't quite okay, work. Okay, well, the I-E-S could be in parentheses. So then without the parentheses, it would be store? American Horror Store. <laughs> American Horror Store. <laughs> Someone should open a costume shop, like a gruesome Halloween costume shop called American Horror Store. I actually think that's a good idea. I'm glad I thought of it first so that I can sue anyone who steals that idea. Yeah, as soon as you say it out loud, it's as good as a copyright. Right. Yeah. It holds up in court. Definitely. Today's date is June 3rd, 2021. Anyone who came up with that... 4.20 p.m. (laughs) Anyone who tried to steal my idea for American Horror Store will be subject to my litigation if you stole it after this time. Yes. Legally binding recording. Yes. If we haven't driven you away by now, I'm Cody Hoffman. And I'm Elena Hillard. And this is a televisionary minisode. Yes. Okay, shall we get into some actual stuff about the shows that we want to talk about? I suppose we should. Okay. Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. Okay, so the show that I want to talk about today, I think got a decent amount of attention, but I specifically thought about doing it for a mini-sode because at one point, I think it was when we were talking... Well, I won't be specific, but in one of our episodes, our full-length episodes, we talked a little bit about casting and, like, open casting and whatnot. So it got me thinking about a show that I think really nailed that, and that show is The Great on Hulu. Hmm. The show is definitely not perfect. It's sort of weird. It's an anti-historical, historical fiction kind of show retelling the rise of Catherine the Great. And it is really, that's like the only thing about it that's based in actual fact. Like the story itself, they've taken a lot of liberties. It's not about the facts. It's just about playing in this universe. And I think they've done a really good job of building the universe. The writing is really good in the sense that it's very stylized. There's a lot of swearing and like sort of anachronistic language, which I think is something that could have really put me off. I was a little weirded out by it when I first watched it because it almost seems, it's like, is this bad or is this funny? And I ultimately landed on, yes, it's funny. It's kind of satirical. It is done with intention. But this show did something so brilliant and it all has to do with the casting. They, you know, obviously it's set in the, in Russia many centuries ago. I'm not, don't even know when exactly. (laughs) But the cast 
is extremely diverse, and I'm fairly certain that Russia at the time was not that diverse. So it's cool that they did this blind casting, and I actually did a little research on it, and the two women who casted the show were given a lot of freedom to kind of cast however they wanted. And in even, even in some cases, they were given the freedom to say to the creator of the show, why don't we make this role a male role? Or why don't we make this role a female role? Like even with gender, they could be very open in who they were looking at. And I think it's super successful because the show itself is just so non-historical. It's kind of like, I think Hamilton does a simi similar thing. I've never watched mm -hmm. Hamilton, but you know, just casting anyone in the role, regardless of race, right. this show just sets up the world and that's just the world and there's not any attention drawn to it it just is how it is and that's why it works and i would love to see more shows like that i think it's such a cool concept and they did it so well and also this show is interesting because it did start as a mini series and we talk about this all the time on the show maybe not all the time but how mini series these days often get turned into regular series. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that seems unnecessary. But with this show, The Great, I think that it is, I'm okay with it. Like they did a good season where there's an ending that would have felt okay. It was sort of an ending that wasn't as satisfying as I would have liked, but I was okay and at peace with it. But then when I saw that they were going to do another season, I was like, okay, there's still so much more here. The world that they've crafted is so rich and unique, and there are actual events that didn't get a resolution that, like, you, you never really saw her become Catherine the Great. So I think that it made sense to me that it got picked up for another season, and I hope that it runs for, you know, maybe a few more. I think there's a lot more they can do there, and I think some of the acting on the show is, it's just so wacky. It's like unlike anything I've ever really seen before, and I think the people in it pull it off so well. You have recommended it to me, and I have not watched it yet, but I do intend to at some point, because I have heard mostly, like, glowing reviews of the show, so I feel certain that I would enjoy it, but have not taken the time yet, regrettably. There's just so much to watch. I am going to talk about a show that you actually told me about, Elena, several years back. I had heard of the show, but had not watched it, did not know anyone else who watched it, and I was a little bit skeptical at first that it was actually going to be good, but I quickly became a fan, and that show is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. This is so weird, because I almost brought this show up to you this morning for a different reason. But <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. Okay, well, I will just start with a little background on it for people who do not know about the show. Uh, it is an original musical comedy series with some dramatic elements, I guess, but definitely leaning more on the comedy. There are two to four original songs in every episode, and to my knowledge, and Elena, maybe you are aware of something, but correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there has ever been another musical series with all original songs in every single episode. I don't think so. I mean, the only thing I could think of that could and I don't even have a specific example is maybe like a children's show. That's what I was thinking like too. That. Yeah. Like yeah maybe Sesame Street or <laughs> something like that could count as that. But for like a scripted broadcast network show or, you know, cable or streaming show, I think 
this is the only one that I am aware of anyway. And just the ambition in that is crazy because on top of writing a script and, you know, producing the show itself, you are also producing the music and, you know, writing the songs themselves. Like, I just have so much respect for the amount of work it took to put it together. And the show lasted for four seasons, and the episode counts were 13 to 18 episodes per season. So that's so much mm -hmm. content that they were generating. So the main character on the show, Rebecca Bunch, is played by Rachel Bloom, who was first famous for doing some comedy songs that she posted on her YouTube channel, picked up a big following there, and then she got a pilot deal with Showtime for this musical series, but Showtime opted not to move past the pilot, so it moved to the CW. You know, they shopped it all around town, CW was the only place that bid on it. So they had to change the show from a half-hour comedy that was a lot raunchier, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, to this more broadcast-appropriate hour-long show really about 40 minutes with the commercial breaks and everything. But it's interesting to me that they continued to make explicit versions of the songs that they wrote for the show and everything, in addition to the clean versions. That's even more work on top of everything they were doing. And all of those explicit versions were released on Rachel Bloom's YouTube channel. But anyway, the premise of the show itself is that Rebecca is this unhappy corporate lawyer in New York, and she happens to bump into her old crush from summer camp, Josh, and gets all these feelings for him and realizes how unhappy she is with her life, and just decides to move across the country to his hometown, which she insists is not because of him, but just because she needed some sort of change in her life, and she gets a new job at a local law firm, and then the rest of the cast is fleshed out by her co-workers and Josh's friends and her neighbor and stuff like that. And the show ends up changing a lot over the course of those four seasons. That's one of the things that I like about it, is there's a real big journey for not just Rebecca, but for a lot of the characters characters, and there's a lot to explore, and they go down these different paths and have some really satisfying story arcs, I think. And it, for as much of a pretty straightforward comedy as it is, the show deals with some heavy topics at times, most specifically mental health and mental illness, and I think it really presented that in a way that I have never seen on television. It's just such a straightforward approach to how real psychological trauma can be and how impactful it can be for not only the people experiencing mental illness, but for the people who are surrounding them and affected by it. There's a lot of pretty extensive psychological analysis of why <laughs> Rebecca makes the decisions she makes and how her mental illness has affected her life and others. And none of those discussions or evaluations never, like, they don't seem like they're forcing anything down your throat. They're not really heavy-handed or like they're trying to teach you something. Like, for example, one of the most popular songs on the show is called Antidepressants Are So Not a Big Deal. And, like, that's very exemplary, I think, of the way that they approach having these conversations on television. They do it in funny song form, which I just think is so cool. And it's really one of the few examples I can think of of mainstream media that has worked so hard to erase the stigmas of mental illness. And to do it in a consistently funny and entertaining way is so hard, but amazing, I think. And the show also spotlights some interesting angles on female sexuality and feminism. I did not know this at first, but I 
found in some research that the show was the first ever on broadcast television to provide an anatomical and physiological description of a clitoris. Wow. Yes. And Rachel Bloom had to fight with the CW's legal team in order to get that allowed. And the description that they give is in song form. Like, oh it's it's a God. comedy song. And I just think that's so interesting that they explored these, you know, much broader issues that have this impact on society. And it's all done in a really smart, funny way. But then they also do, like, more frivolous songs, Heavy Boobs, which, <laughs> which is just a description of how, you know, cumbersome heavy boobs are, which is still, you know, a, kind of like a, a spotlight, <laughs> you know, a feminist perspective on something that a lot of people don't consider. Yeah. But it's also just a stupid, catchy little song about having heavy boobs and how your bra is basically a shelf and that kind of stuff. Wow. I was going to yeah. bring this up to you this morning because at some point, Zach, my boyfriend, found this weird song performance on like some Bill Nye show. <laughs> and it's Rachel Bloom. Oh, okay. And the song is called like Sex Junk. Or something like that. And it is, I would say, not up to the caliber of a song on the show hmm. from what I've seen. I never, I didn't finish the show. Okay. But it's also she's performing it live mm. for sure and getting extremely winded. Oh. <laughs> so it's just sort of like a cringy kind of performance. And I was going to ask you if you had seen it. I have not. No. I would love to show it to you after this. Yeah, I would love to see it. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's very interesting. Yes. Do you know if that was before or after? I think after. Because okay. I think on the performance, they're like, from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm, yeah. I see. Rachel Bloom won a Golden Globe I for think I knew that. Um, the show. Not that the Golden Globes mean anything anymore. Well. Because the HuffPa is kind of canceled. Maybe. Depends who you ask. Well, if they are canceled, they could always be uncanceled, just like Kevin Spacey. Right. Everyone is totally going to forgive Kevin Spacey now because he got one acting role. And oh it was an Italian movie, right? Yeah, but the article I read was like making it seem like we should uncancel him. It was very strange. Was it written by Kevin Spacey? <laughs> I actually didn't check. So maybe. <laughs> Probably. Wow. Did I tell you that I direct messaged Kevin Spacey on Instagram? No, you didn't. <laughs> what did you say? Well, I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I was just sort of curious like if he would respond. Because like I was like, he probably doesn't have a lot going on. <laughs> right. So I think I just said like I'm doing a podcast where we cover your work and just wanted to see if, you know, you had anything you wanted to say about House of Cards. And did he respond? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it was worth a roll of the dice. Sure. Yeah. I should check to see if hurt? he's even seen it. You know how it says, like, seen? Oh, yeah. You should look. Yeah. Get back to us. This could be a continuing saga. I should start messaging him, like, every day. <laughs> <laughs> we should message... All of, like, someone from whatever show we were talking about on every episode, just we, to see if they get back to us. We should. It, I doubt any of them would, we but could, what if someone does? We could pick, like, a 
smaller actor. We could, yeah. I don't know. Something to think about. It is something to think about. Maybe for season two. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, anyway, bottom line, you should watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and... The Great. The Great. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this mini-sode. We've enjoyed making it for you, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yes. Indubitably. Of course. All right. Well, I think we're done. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.